Testing, testing, one, two. Yeah. Is that better? Is that okay? I mean, it's it's fine all the time until it's not fine. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Life's fine, like, all the time until it's not fine. Right. All the time. That's pretty much exactly what life's like. Dude, it's not fine all the time until it's fine all the time. Well, welcome to I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Let's start. We got a couple of emails here. Let's do it. Jody English. The subject is Dylan, springtime in New York. New York. My first thought when you said New York was get a rope. Do you know what that's from? Get a rope? Yeah. I don't. It's from Pace Picante commercials back in the when pace first came out like 20 years ago they'd be like pace is made by people in san antonio know who know what sauce is supposed to taste like where's yours made from oh mine's made in uh mine's made in new york city new york city get a rope yeah i do remember and then they would murder the guy because the salsa was made in new york city right and they would fucking string him up they would take his pants down, they'd cut his dick off and his balls, and he'd bleed out on camera. Right. Then they then they'd bring him down off the tree. They'd fuck him in the ass. They'd all take turns one at a time. Sometimes multiple times. Then they'd put him back up in the tree, put a sign around him, and say, "Pace Bacani." <laughs> What's crazy is it sold a lot of salsa. It was a very effective marketing. <laughs> People were scared to death of getting anything but pace. This here fellas salsa made in New York City. I believe it's gonna be a lynching today. Dude, I was at HEB and I was like about to pick up some Paul Newman's you know, cause that Paul Newman brand salsa. I was like, oh let me try this. And I looked over and some guy was looking at me and I was like, mm, I better get that pace. Yeah. Dude, I love when people get into that kind of like Arnold Palmer started making tea and shit. Paul Newman makes salsa. Okay, Paul Newman. Ease up. How about everybody now just making alcohol because it's such a money maker? Uh, yeah, I, everyone. I mean, the e- fucking rock. Even Metallica, who whose frontman has notoriously and quite famously been into rehab two times. They have their own whiskey, and it's like I get it. It's a business. They're just making money. It's Metallica as a as a corporation, not James Hetfield endorsing whiskey. But it is weird to see them advertising it. And it's like, you, you fucking idiots need more money. Dude, if you're... It's a big thing with well, bands. No matter what I have, I always feel like if I had more, I'd be better off. Yeah, I guess that's just the human condition. But in this email, it finally loaded. Jody English writes, Hey, fellas, I've caught every episode and I love it. Sometimes too much movie talk, but I digress. Clint being a Dylan fan, a Dylan aficionado, have you heard the latest bootleg series? It's so good. The production sounds are better than many records today. Cheers. I haven't heard it. It's called Springtime in New York, and it's kind of the Infidels sessions, like early 80s, early to mid 80s of Dylan. That was all produced by Mark Knopfler, which the Infidels sounds really good. Those That era sounds really great. Whatever happened to Mark Knopfler? That guy was cool. I don't know. Do you ever get into any Dire Straits? you ever have Brothers in Arms? or No. Man, that stuff was good. Good guitar player, good singer couple of good songs. I mean, I liked him. You know, what was that MTV song? Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing. He had Sultans of I, Swing. He, 
he seemed cool. Like he seemed like a cool dude. I liked, I liked his, I liked how ballsy he was to do like an anti MTV song on MTV and have it fucking kind of rule MTV. <laughs> yeah, for a while. it was a huge hit. So, but not enough to like, dude. I was like listening to Tom Waits, right? Like, if you're listening to Tom Waits, you're not going to go buy a fucking Mark Knopfler record, right? You're you're into some different shit for sure. Yeah. You're into like I'm. I'm like buying butthole. I was buying butthole surfers records when you were buying Mark Knopfler. I records. still haven't listened to. Uh, <laughs> you will never listen to it. If you listen to it, you'll listen to it a half a. T- you won't even get through it once. I got dude. the. I because I found it at Vintage Vinyl in St. Louis, this great record store, and uh, I got Hairway to Steven, and I got Rembrandt Pussy Horse. But I've been listening to um, Electric Larry Land on iTunes. Like I have been right. listening to that, but that's their like '90s more commercial thing. But I mean, the it's, '80s stuff. I, if I listen to any butthole surfers, I maybe will listen to one or a half a song, and then I'm ready to go to something else. It's hard to listen to a whole album. I meant to send this to you, but there's a Kickstarter happening right now for a like a, fe- a like 90 minute feature documentary about the butthole surfers. That like Gibby Haynes is involved with and everything. Like the, tells the whole story of the butthole surfers. I bet you it's great. He's so I've said it I've said it on this podcast many times. He's so funny and charming and lovely. I'd love to hang out with him, although I feel like it'd also be scary. No, it's you'd you think that, but then because he seems scary and I've hung I've hung out with him at night when he was a junkie and he is kind of scary, but when you see him in the daylight, it's like a it's like a vampire. When you see him at night, and he's a junkie, he's scary. Right. But when you see him during the day and he's just a normal person, he's so sweet and f- so smart and so funny. Like, he's just a lovely guy. Well, we have another email from a new patron, Jimmy Palacios, who says, new subscriber from New Orleans, zip. <laughs> Dude, I like, I like the fact that just saying the word New Orleans, he's getting a hard dick. <laughs> Like, oh, New Orleans, mm, I can't keep this dick in my pants. Why? Right. Oh, you know, because New Orleans. <laughs> Dude, all I can think about New Orleans is rats. Rats and the Preservation Jazz Hall. Those those two things. Just rats and the, the stink of New Orleans. It's, I, it's not You know, it makes place. me it makes me think of Anne Rice, who just passed away. Did you see that Anne Rice passed away? the fact that she was alive is shocking to me oh man come on she was great all right um i never did you ever read any of her porn books i read all of her books yeah sleeping beauties i I read all that stuff man i did like the porn stuff it was like adult erotic yeah it was kind of porny it was sex in it kind of dude that shit was hardcore porn well maybe i didn't i read like sleeping beauty yeah, the Sleeping Beauty stuff where she's it's like she's getting like gang banged and stuff. Yeah. It was good. Um, I like I even read, I, like I even read her Christian Zip. shit. But her best stuff was that vamp, the Vampire Chronicles. All right, let me get through this I, email. Did right. you ever read the Vampire Chronicles? You didn't like it? I didn't You're about to start I shitting on Anne Rice now. I'm not shitting on her. I just I just didn't like the there's something about because those those were erotic. They were supposed to be erotic, the vampire books, but I didn't find those erotic at all. Like these, I don't know. I did. I, it wasn't. It wasn't my thing. It wasn't my cup of tea. Okay, new patron here from New Orleans. Stoked to be here. Originally from Texas, I've lived in Austin a couple of times in the mid '90s and mid aughts before moving to New Orleans in 2007. 
So I'm familiar with Bob's work. I actually interviewed Bob earlier this year in reviews of his album for Gimme Country Radio. It was a fantastic interview. I'm going to be naming his album my personal album of the year on my daily show for Gimme Country, Country Du Monde. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that, dude, Country Dumont played the fuck out of that record. Thank you very much. He says, anyway, I found out about all the podcasts during the interview and I've been listening since. I actually found out that my good friend and landlord here in New Orleans, Lonnie Trevino Jr., is a big fan of the podcast and we laugh about it. He also plays at the Saxon Pub regularly with his band, the South Austin Moonlighters. Are you familiar with them? No, but I am familiar with Lonnie. He says, so big love to you guys and I feel great about officially joining the party. P.S., Congrats to Clint on the Morgan Wade gig. I also interviewed her earlier this year, and I'm stoked about all our success. Bye, Jimmy. Well, thank you, Jimmy. That's very cool. Thank you. That is cool. I like that. I like nice emails from nice listeners who live in nice parts of the country and are nice people. It's as simple as that. doesn't get any simpler than that, except for one plus one equals, well, it doesn't equal two, but... It doesn't equal two? Well, there can't, I mean... Is there anything, is there such a thing as one? Right. One is a, I mean, one is a construct. It's a construct. Two is a construct. I do spiritual math. I st- I'll try to stay away from actual hard math. What's spiritual math? Spiritual math is when you walk into a room and you immediately adjust all of your emotional expectations and you become who you need to be for whoever's in the room that needs you to be something. It's the spiritual math. I can do it immediately. Speaking of spiritual math, I've been walking around the neighborhood and it's definitely more Christmassy than it's ever been in our neighborhood, which which is weird. It's just weird to me. I'm like, why are you celebrating Christmas? Are you deeply religious? Are you just like like holidays and you like Christmas? But I like really what I really want to do is because I, I my property has a bunch of trees. So if you look at my house from the street, it's just trees. You can't see the house. But what I want to build in the trees is I really want to build a manger with the nativity scene, like full scale. <laughs> full scale. Like, yeah. And then just have where the baby Jesus is, is just have a light coming from there, but not like a bright light, but just like a dim light so that if you're walking past it or driving past it at night, you'll be like, what the fuck's going on in there? And then if you stop, you'll be like, oh, shit, that's the fucking nativity scene. And what would be really cool is if I made it like animatronic. But I I would love to make it like fucking super realistic. You ought to team up with uh, Chuck E. Cheese and get that going. But here's the deal. Would you want strangers stopping and roaming no. around your front yard at night? That's the only problem. That's the only no, problem. But I, really, but I love the idea of that. Like, Like, I don't know, man. Like all the like, there's a guy down the road from me that's got a blow up nativity scene, and it's like, no, what? The blow up nativity scene? Come on! How did you have it anchored down? It's just anchored down, like and then spikes? there's a fan. There's a fan going the whole time. Just the way, and it's car. It's cartoony. It's super cartoony. <laughs> just the way Christ wanted it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too, dude. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> If you're going to go, if you're going to do religion, fucking do it. You know what I mean? These people that like half-ass religion, I'm like, what is that? I don't even get it. <laughs> like, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, if you're going to do it, do it. Do it with do it with the, do it with the same passion that Christ had when he came to earth and, you know, saved all mankind by imputing his holiness onto them 
by dying on the cross. That's all I ask. He was fucking crucified on the cross, which takes days for you to die. It's an awful way to die. And he did it for you. He didn't do that so you could fucking blow up a goddamn piece of plastic. No. Cartoon shit. He did it so that you would get some animatronic Chuck E. Cheese style full scale shit happening in your front yard. Dude, fucking go kill a hobo. Yep. Dress him up like Jesus and Mary. Yep. And fucking get get it going. Get it going. Now, by the way, by the way, <laughs> by the way, legally, don't go kill a hobo. You'll go to okay? jail for murder. Yeah. J- that's me making a JK. Okay. That's just kidding. Right. But. Plenty of hobos in Austin. Also. <laughs> also. What are you doing? What are you doing if you're not doing that? And then the people that kind of take it or leave it. I'm like, well, I don't know about that part. No, dude. If you're gonna accept all, if you're gonna accept some of it, you gotta accept all of it, right? You gotta take dude, on the force. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you because you, for a while, really got into religion hard as an adult. Yeah. So what? Do, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what is the deal? Where, like, well, I believe in about eighty percent of it. What is that? Just walk me through that thought process. Well, <clears throat> I really believed it. And the, the parts that were hard for me to believe that were odious, I took on faith and I just, I, I really believed it. I wasn't, the thing about getting into it later in life, which I, got, I was in, I was a hardcore Christian from like 17 to 26. The thing about it is I was making those decisions on my own. I wasn't just a kid whose parents made him go to church and I always believed it. Like when I jumped in, I jumped in hard as I do with almost anything. Yeah. And I actually read the Bible and studied theology. I went to Bible college. I wanted to be a pastoral counselor. I read Did you study the history of the Bible? I did. Because that's really fascinating. I did. And that's that was one of the like people have asked me, people don't ask me this anymore because I've been an atheist for like eleven years now, but twelve, thirteen years. You know, they're like, What happened? You know, like you could ever point to a single event for something like that. But one of the things that started to crack the armor was actually reading in a textual criticism class in Bible college about how the Bible was put together. Well, specifically right. the New Testament. And, uh, right. you know, we have like 500 Greek manuscripts. Some of them contradict each other. People kind of filled in the blanks. I started reading about the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and how different they are from the last gospel, which is the Gospel of John, which is basically the last week of Jesus' life. How basically all of the Synoptic Gospels were copied from Mark. How all of the people who wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those weren't real people. They're pseudonyms. They're right. anonymous writings. How crazy is that? They're anonymous writings that were written up to a hundred years after the events occurred by non eyewitnesses. So, right. And I learned this in Bible college. Right. Um, because such a really big part of your spiritual life in Christianity is having faith. When things don't seem to make sense, you got this great thing in the utility belt called faith. And that's how they get you to just believe <laughs> stupid bullshit. Right. And I would have people who weren't Christians, good friends of mine in the music community of Birmingham, where I was active who were like, so you think I'm going to go to hell? You think I'm going to burn in hell forever because I don't believe in Jesus? And I would be like, I really hate it, but yes, I do believe that. Like, I really had what I believe to be a lot of integrity about the the, the ecosystem of Christianity. Right. And if I read something that was gross, I just, I, I just had faith and I asked for God to help me understand it. Right. So the people who kind of do the 80% thing, I always sort of looked down on that. Because right. I always felt like, you better be all fucking all in or not. And if you're not all in, you're a pussy. That's kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Um, so so, I, so, that ma- so that makes more sense to me now. So you did kind of walk me through it, which is this, which is like, 
you are all in. So you were all in. And then once you saw, oh, well, okay, so this is this is bullshit. So if this is bullshit, then it's probably all bullshit. And so you're like, I'm out. Yeah, it was just slowly. And I was doing, I went from playing when I was 17, 18, playing in a lot of cover bands and like local bands in Birmingham to I started touring when I was like 20. And touring, especially, and you know what this is like when you're tour, touring in your early career, you're crashing on a lot of people's couches. You're in a lot of CD clubs. You're meeting a lot more people than the way we tour now. And so I was just meeting a lot of different kinds of people who were really smart and beautiful and had different perspectives on the world. I was reading, I'll tell you the thing I was reading. I was reading Mark Twain. I was reading Richard Dawkins. I was reading Carl Sagan. Uh, I was reading all, all of that stuff. I was just reading a lot. You know, it is when you're in your early 20s and you're exploring shit. I didn't go to college other than a couple years of Bible college. So Christianity, I mean, I really can't say enough bad things about it in terms of it being true, you know, as a truth claim. I think it's it's more ridiculous than it's ever been to me. And upon any type of real scrutiny, it, it you know, it crumbles. So a lot of people live very sheltered lives in their same communities they were born in, and they go to the same church. They, their pastor was their parents' pastor. They're scared to read other books or get hip to other shit, and that way their little believies can stay safe. But to kind of do that I am and that a lot of my friends are like, whatever your belief systems are, they have to withstand scrutiny from the world. And Christianity just doesn't cut it, man. It doesn't cut it. Someone the other well, day, anyway, that's my, yeah, no, no, my spiel. I, none of them, none, dude, none of, none of them cut. Like if you look at it, I mean, if you look at it, if you look at any of those books, you know, they're not gonna. They're not gonna hold up. I was talking to someone in, in kind of in my touring group the other day, who's a, kind of a nominal Christian. Anyone I know now is a Christian. They're kind of like they're just like almost Christian with quotations. I like read the Bible. I prayed every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like really important to me to grow as a Christian and like become more and more mature as a spiritual person. But most of the people I know, they don't do that. And I was telling someone the other day, I was like. You know, I actually read the Bible a couple of times. Have you done that? And I'm not saying it in a braggadocious way, but it's like, it's amazing how many people, it's like the most sold book ever, least read book ever. People don't actually want to read it because A, it's, hard to read. A, it's boring as hell, super boring. hard to read, and it's full yeah. of crazy nonsense. And I'm telling you, go read the book of Deuteronomy. Go read the laws, the Jewish dude, they laws. they put the doo-doo in Deuteronomy. <laughs> they did, dude. It sucks. Go read Leviticus. It fucking sucks. It's boring as shit, and it's filled with craziness. Yeah, no, I'm with you, dude. I I, I agree 100. But I do, I love I I love I love Jesus. Like I love the I I love Jesus. Like I love Batman. Mm -hmm. Like I just I like Jesus. So, like my thing is like, well, what you know? What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would forgive everybody of their sins, no matter what their sins were, and he would allow everyone to come into heaven. So, if Jesus does exist, you're fine. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to be a good person. Even Jesus will be fine with you, no matter who you are. Right. That's the story of the and, thief uh, on the cross. Right. The thief on yeah. the cross is like, are you really who they say you are? This is as they're dying on the cross or suffocating. Right. And uh, Jesus is like, today you're going to be with me in motherfucking paradise. <laughs> the, yeah. the thief, the whole point of that story is this guy spent his whole life being a piece of shit. And, right. he, and all he had to do at the end was say a magic spell. And yeah. bingo, baby, you're, you're at the slot machines with Jesus that day. And guess dude, what? You're winning. You're coming up big. Bingo. Dude, if you die 
and you find out Jesus is real, you just say the magic spell after you're dead, Easy. and you're going to heaven. And then if you talk to any Christian about that, they're like, well, actually, you understand it when you're alive. I'm like, what? No, you don't, <laughs> you dummy. You don't have to do it when you're alive. You can do it anytime. You can do it. You can do it a thousand years after you're dead. When you're in hell for a thousand years, and you're like, mm, I'm tired of this magic spell, and you're right in heaven. Well, here's one of the benefits of reading the Bible, which again I've done a couple of times. Is if someone wants, no hell. if someone wants to talk about, well, the Bible actually says that you have to say it while you're alive. I can be like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't, dummy. I read it. Did you read it? Or are you just reciting something some other idiot told you? Because I actually read it. And that's not in there. Neither is hell, by the way. So there you go. I love it that you read it. But I, dude, I can't tell you how many times I've picked up the Bible in those hotel rooms because that's the only time you would ever pick up a Bible. I'm in the hotel room. I pick it up. And I'm like, I'm gonna. Every time I'm in a hotel room, I'm just gonna read another page, right. and then eventually I'll read the whole book. <laughs> and dude, I'll get fucking one paragraph into one page, and I'm Dunsky Doodles, dude. That shit is boring. You know what? There's a lot of in the Bible. A lot of instructions on how to properly beat your slaves. Because, like, one of the things that was happening is, and these are God's people, they were beating their slaves, and it was fucking with their teeth, and they were dying of complications with their teeth. So, there's not anything about, hey, don't have slaves, <laughs> but there is, like, listen, here's how you beat your slaves so they'll live a little longer so you can get a little more slave activity out of them. Well, that's the kind of stuff that, if you actually read the Bible, you're going, what? Well, that's definitely answering some questions, too, about stuff. What does that mean? <laughs> It's answering some questions about stuff. Like when I just when I think of when I think of racists, I I often lump them in with maybe some religious types. Not not saying all religious people are racist. Obviously, I I know lots of lovely non-racist religious people, but well, I mean, the Ku Klux Klan was a religious organization, and the the problem with that is you can find if you're looking for it because the Bible is is sixty six books of insane philosophy and and somehow you know they tried to mash it all together into one cohesive like philosophy of life and it doesn't work so what happens is someone like Ku Klux Klan they can justify they can look at the Bible and justify slavery right because they can just sort of cherry pick and you know I mean even Hitler invoked a lot of Christian imagery and Christian theology to justify some of his crazy beliefs about the world that's what's so dangerous about it that's why it's not like Oh, you have your little believies, go believe them. It's people really use it to start wars and justify wars and justify genocide, justify killing people, justify bigotry and hating people and hating women. You see what I'm saying? It's 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 something that could cause a lot of harm if it's let if it's run rampant. Thank God it's mostly domesticated now. It's like a domestic it's like a wolf. It's like a wolf that's been sort of domesticated, lives in the backyard now, you keep it chained up, you throw a fucking slab of meat at it every once in a while. It's a nice little wolf. It's a cute wolf. It used to be a wolf that would bite your little dick off. Now now it's more safe. It's not a problem. Can I recommend a quick movie? Yeah. Cop Shop with Gerard Butler. Let's look up Cop Shop. Interesting title. I like Cop Land. Here we go. Cop Shop. This is just like a shoot 'em up. um, Kind of in the... Kind of, you know, kind of wants to be Quentin Quentin Tarantino-esque. What is the other movie? This guy did another movie that was similar to it. Um, is it the same director, Joe Carnahan? Joe Carnahan, yeah. He did Smoke and Aces, The A Team, Narc. Smoke and Aces. 
If you like Smoke and Aces, you'll like Cop Shop. I never saw Did that. you ever see that movie? No, I never saw that. Smoke and Aces is fun. Jeremy Piven, Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta. Wayne, ben no- Wayne Newton. In it. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah. <clears throat> it's great. Smoke and Aces is great. It's just fun. It's like a fun shoot 'em up. Lots of killing. Lots of... It's fun. I, I enjoyed it. The um, Let me read the synopsis of co- a cop shop here. On the run from a lethal assassin, a wily con artist devises a scheme to hide out inside a small-town police station, but when the hitman turns up at the precinct, an unsuspecting rookie cop finds herself caught in the crosshairs. Yeah. That does sound pretty good. It's fun. It's just fun. It's good old-fashioned escapist fun. It's what I like. In, it's, it's the thing I like about cinema. Like, life is hard and weird and scary and mysterious. I want a movie that's really easy to follow. I want a bad guy. I want a good guy. I want people getting killed. And I want to laugh and I want to cry. Period. Yeah, I think that's mostly what I want, too. We went and saw the um, Encanto, which Scarlett would love if you haven't seen it yet. Have you seen that? that? It's it's a it's like a Spanish kids movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, like a Pixar. Yeah, it's like about kind of a magic house. These this family all have magic powers. Is that just in theaters? It's right in now? theaters, yeah. But it's worth a. We had a great time, and they're really good. It's um, it's it's uh, God, the dude who writes everything now. He wrote all the songs. Um, uh, Lin Well, uh, what's that dude's name? He did a. God damn it, Lin Manuel. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. He wrote all the songs by himself. I thought for sure he was writing all that with like production teams, but he writes all those songs by himself. They're really good songs. Well, he wrote he wrote the songs in Moana, and those songs are incredible. And what's his what's his big thing? The big thing that he did the the Hamilton Hamilton, right? Right. I also went and saw the James Bond movie and No Time to Die. Okay, it's fun. It was all right. I think mostly I want movies to be fun, but sometimes I like movies that are challenging or movies that make me think movies that stick with you oh my god i did see this new did you ever see the horror movie raw it's this chick director i don't watch any horror movies well there's this new one called titan and (laughs) this chick has sex with a car and she gets pregnant it's like a body horror very like cronenberg it was intense it was intense but kind of a kind of a worthwhile watch like when it was finally over i was how do you have sex with a car I guess you'll have to watch it to find out, baby. I'm not watching shit. Not only does she have sex with a car, but she becomes pregnant with a car, baby. Well, you'll have to you'll have to watch the film to find out what happens. I got to tell you, it's. Does she give birth to like a little like matchbox, <laughs> like a Hot Wheels? I can't reveal the secrets, the mysteries Dude, of the film. I will never watch it. All right, when we get into the Secret Weekly, you can tell me the whole synopsis because I'm I'm never going to watch it. But I will say, here's the deal. The movie ended and I was kind of like exhausted and a little grossed out. And I was kind of like, you know, I kind of went to bed kind of frustrated. But I will say that movie has stuck with me. Like I, the director, I got to imagine if I told the director this, that she'd be like, hell yeah, mission accomplished. You didn't turn it off thinking that was the best movie of 2021. I'm going to put it on my list. Like, but I'm telling you, I've thought about it almost every day since I've seen it. Another movie that I've thought about every day almost since I've seen it was that platform movie, where the dudes what are on platform? the dudes are on that platforms and those levels, and the oh, the right. further you go, the more the food comes down on this platform, and everyone gets like 40 seconds to eat it, and just keeps going down, <laughs> and they don't you know how far the down most it goes. Fucked up movies, dude. <laughs> 
I swear to God. It's like the cute. I don't want to put. I don't want to put any more fucked up. I have. Oh my God, dude. Speaking of fucked up, have you seen The Alpinist? No. Did you see Free Solo? I did see Free Solo. Dude, what'd you think? What how, What was your I, I watched feeling it, watching well, that movie? I will say I watched it on a plane. So it, I, it was relegated <laughs> to like plane movie. I watched it on the way right. to Japan. So I, it might not have been one I would have watched otherwise, but I watched like 10 movies in a row because it was the longest flight ever. Um... I, were you like I, freaked out watching yeah, it? Yeah, I, I I had kind of the creeps watching it. I think that guy kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. Plus, obviously, all the heights and him just having a death wish. And well, the alpinist is a guy that does that, except on ice, no ropes. The alpinist. Here we go. Uh, Mark Andre Leclerc climbs alone, far from the limelight. The free-spirited twenty-three-year-old makes some of the boldest solo ascents in history with no cameras, no margin for error. Like Lurk's approach is the essence of solo adventure. So no cameras. So what is it? How did they document it? Well, they just started hearing about this guy. And then this guy went and found him and said, hey, can I take some footage of you? And he was like, mm, reluctantly, uh, kind of agreed. And then did it for a minute and then was like, and then just vanished. And like in the middle, of the, he was like, he got tired of, and then they finally tracked him down. And they're like, dude, what happened? And he's like, well, if you're filming me, it's not really, I'm not really doing it solo. Right. Dude, this guy's like a pure climber. Talk about, like, talk about somebody who's like fucking pure, like Jesus, dude. This kid was incredible. Anyways, it's just watch it. Don't find out anything about it. Well, everyone go check it out. And uh, we hope you've had a happy new year. It's good to, good to be back talking with Bob. Good to be home from tour. And we'll be back next week with more IOK shenanigans. We're going to dip into the Secret Weekly where Bob is adamant about me spoiling this movie for him. So maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll see. Also, I want I, I want to hear some stories from the tour, but let's save that for the next podcast. No problem. Do you have any good good tour stories? Not really. Well, no, no, <laughs> no. That's that's the best, dude. A, a tour a tour where you don't have any tour stories that usually means. The bus didn't break down. That usually means right. somebody didn't get gonorrhea. That means some the cops didn't show up. That means exactly you're fucking you didn't get electrocuted. That means the fucking there wasn't a lightning strike next to the stage. You know, just all the shit that, that really sucks. Uh, well, here's what mostly happened. We played a great tight because we were opening for another band. So we played our great tight 45 minute set. We played the same set every night. It was locked in super tight. We kicked them in the face. And then every night I went on the bus and watched basketball. So it was probably the most low key tour I've ever done, which is I'm at a stage in my life where that suits me. When are you going to join your band leader and get them nuck tats? <laughs> get what? Them nuck tats on your hands, dude. Nut tats? Nuck tats. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> she's got tats all over her hands. Oh yeah, she's tatted up. She's but she's got them on her knucks. Oh, gotcha. Nuck as in the abreve on knuckles. Yeah, knuckle tats. Uh, nook tats aren't in my future. She's got plenty for me. Our other guitar player, Ethan, who does the, Me the Metallica podcast with me, he's got hands, tattoo, tattoos all over it. He's all tatted up. He's got like neck tattoos. Between them, there's plenty. I'm cool. I got like four tattoos. I'm fine. You're not getting that neck tat either? <laughs> no. Dude, Chris D'Elia just got a neck tattoo. Of course he did. He's, I, I guarantee you he's going to sleeve up. He's going to get all body body tatted up dude talk about somebody who obviously talk about somebody who got canceled 
and he's canceled all the way to the bank. Well, let's get out of here and talk about it in the Secret Weekly. We love you guys. We'll see you all next right. time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>